Hey everybody, it's Big E here, and welcome back to Virginia Law for Virginia Law Enforcement Officers. Uh, we are This podcast is for law enforcement officers in Virginia who want to do it right, who strive every day to do better and to find new ways to strengthen and serve your communities. Um, welcome back. Welcome to uh, this episode. This is episode eight, and we're talking about decriminalization of marijuana. Uh, I hope you checked out our earlier episodes about use of force law in Virginia. Uh, last episode, we talked about the new statutes that go into effect July 1 that decriminalize the simple possession of marijuana in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And so in these next few episodes, what I'm going to be talking about is what does that mean for law enforcement for search and seizure, right? We're going to focus today on searches, especially searches of vehicles uh, for based upon the odor of marijuana. Can you still search a car for the based on the odor of marijuana after July 1 when we have decriminalized the simple possession of marijuana in Virginia? We're going to talk about that in some detail today. But I hope this podcast has been useful for you guys. Um, I've created it because so many years, for so long, people have been asking about, you know, hey, how do I learn? How do I get better? How do I stay up on the law? And, um, you know, I've kind of just did it around or tried to send out, you know, case law updates or something like that. But, you know, in the meantime, of course, I was listening to podcasts like crazy and, you know, spending most of my time on the road. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, so hopefully this is a way for you guys, too. You're stuck on the road all the time. You're, you know, maybe out in the gym or running or whatever. Um, hopefully you're finding this useful. We've got it out on iTunes. Uh, if you have a podcast app that you specifically use that you like and you're like, hey, I've got an Android phone and, you know, put it on Stitcher or whatever, um, let me know what works for you guys. I want to make it useful for you guys um, and, uh, and, and something that really helps, helps, helps out in your jobs. So again, welcome back. We're talking today's episode about can you search based upon the odor of marijuana? What's the practical impact of this change on criminal investigations after July 1? What should you do, uh, for example, with a vehicle if you smell the odor of marijuana inside the vehicle? Now, in some ways, right, I could make this really easy and I could just play you this clip and this clip should be the end of the episode and then we could just all move on. I could also say I have no idea, which is the true answer, right? I have no idea what your courts are going to do, what the court of appeals is going to do, what your prosecutors are going to do uh, when they address this question because there is no law about it. The General Assembly didn't give us a clear answer in the statute. The cases don't give us a clear answer because we've never had a civil offense in Virginia before. So we're kind of in uncharted territory. We don't know what a court would do. And because we don't have a, a ruling from the Virginia Supreme Court, the Virginia Court of Appeals, it's left to all 120 jurisdictions in the Commonwealth of Virginia and all the general district court judges and all the circuit court judges to figure out on their own what the answer is. So I could also just say, I don't know, end of episode, let's all go home. That's kind of a crappy answer, right, too. I don't want to do that. So uh, I'm going to play you this audio clip in a minute that kind of answers the question in some ways. Um, I'm going to kind of throw up my hands and say, I don't know. Um, I'm also going to, though, give you some uh, guideposts, some information that I think will help you to understand what the law is and what the law is likely to be after July 1 so you can make an informed, intelligent decision and you can make an informed, intelligent uh, uh, tactical decision on the scene and then also legally be able to defend why you did what you did um, on the scene based on good law. 
So I'm going to talk about Virginia law. And then as it turns out, you know, because we're not the first state to decriminalize marijuana, these questions that we've got here in Virginia are the same questions that judges throughout the United States have struggled with, that police and prosecutors have struggled with all over the United States when their general assemblies, when their uh, legislatures have decriminalized marijuana. And as it turns out, the question is almost answered, is almost always answered the same way in a lot of these cases, that almost all the courts are, are reaching the same conclusion about certain questions, but there's also questions that courts are reaching very different answers on. And so, you know, when the courts all kind of reach the same answer about some questions, we can say, hey, I think we probably get the same answer here in Virginia. But for the situations where the courts are reaching different answers, we might have different answers. Okay. So um, let's start out with a clip, right? So I'm going to play you this clip. And this is a clip, a recording of an exchange between the Speaker of the Virginia House of Delegates, that's Charnel Herring, and she's the author of the Marijuana Decriminalization Bill. So she is the person who authored uh, and sponsored the Decriminalization of Marijuana Bill that's becoming law in July 1. And she's answering a question from uh, Senator Joe Morrissey, who is somebody who um, had 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 for a while advocated that law enforcement not be authorized to search based on the odor of marijuana. So he was somebody who um, thought that the law should have gone further than it did and then farther than it than it will on July 1 um, in restricting law enforcement's ability to search vehicles. And this is a clip uh, of, a record, of a story from WVTF radio and a story by Michael Pope from February 24th of 2020. Both the House and the Senate have now passed bills to decriminalize marijuana, and now the lawmakers who introduced both of those bills have struck a deal to make them identical. That'll keep the effort out of a conference committee and speed up the process of sending the bill to the governor's desk. One remaining concern, though, is marijuana odor. During a Senate committee hearing, Richmond Senator Joe Morrissey asked House Majority Leader Charnel Herring if the compromise bill prevents officers from searching a car if they smell pot. No. Okay. No, it doesn't. And until, and I, honestly, until it's legalized, I don't think that we can constrain law enforcement no. on their observations until we legalize it. But that's just my opinion. A separate bill to legalize marijuana was set aside, at least for this year. Reporting from the Capitol in Richmond, uh, Michael Pope. Okay, so in a lot of ways, right, there's your answer. Right? You can stop listening right now and, you know, go listen to something else, right? Go listen to Joe Rogan or something. Um, you know, she gives a pretty clear answer. Of course, the problem is her opinion isn't written into the law, and we can have opinions about what the law says, even if we're the people who wrote it. And if the law doesn't say what we actually meant it to say, um, it's the words of the law that govern, not the intentions of the legislatures, right? So we still have to figure out what's a court going to do when they address the situation of an officer searching based on the odor of marijuana, um, if the uh, thing, if what the officer is investigating is the civil offense of simple possession of marijuana. Okay, so let's start with this, right? Is it a, you know, obviously civil offense of possession of marijuana. You walk up and you smell a car, smell out an odor of marijuana coming from a car. It's not a criminal offense, possession of marijuana. We don't have any evidence at this point that it's distribution. Uh, we don't have any evidence that it's possession with intent to distribute. So what are we dealing with, right? It's a civil offense. As I mentioned in the last episode, that's a new thing. We don't have that in Virginia. I mean, we have it with unreasonable refusal, but we don't make arrest on the street for refusal. We make arrest on the street for DUI, and then refusal is issued by a magistrate later. Um, under the criminal code, offenses are either felonies or misdemeanors. That says that under 18.2-8. Now, mind you, of course, 18.2-250.1 will now be a civil offense, but otherwise offenses are either felonies or misdemeanors. Um, 
it is an offense. That's certainly true because the code says it's an offense. It's not a traffic infraction. Um, but the Constitution still applies. I mean, one way or the other, we know that the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution still provides and still requires that the right of the people be secure and their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. And the Constitution permits law enforcement to enforce civil regulations and civil rules, administrative statutory schemes, but those schemes are still governed by the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution. So you still have to demonstrate uh, if you're going to conduct a search, probable cause. If you're going to conduct a detention, uh, reasonable articulable suspicion. So in this next part, in the next episode right here today, we're going to be talking about searches, especially searches of vehicles. And so we're going to be talking about probable cause. Um, I've often said, and uh, my buddy who I teach with this all the time, BP, always says uh, that, you know, if you're a law enforcement officer, you should be able to articulate what probable cause is. You should be able to, you know, provide a definition. If somebody asks you what probable cause is, you should be able to define that term, um, you know, sort of from memory. And a great definition of that term comes from Illinois versus Gates, which is a 1983 case. Um, probable cause to search is based on a fair probability that contraband or evidence of a crime will be found in a particular place. Um, you also have good language from Florida versus Harris and Texas versus Brown. Uh, Texas versus Brown is the same year as, as Illinois versus Gates. A police officer has probable cause to conduct a search when the facts available to the officer would warrant a person of reasonable caution in the belief that contraband or evidence of a crime is present. So notice that both Gates and Texas versus Brown, both of them talk about two things that you can look for. Contraband or evidence. So the question you want to ask yourself is, if I walk up and I smell the odor of marijuana coming from a car after July, on July 2nd of 2020, am I smelling something that's either contraband or evidence? Well, it's certainly contraband under federal law. We know that to be continued to be the case. Marijuana is still contraband under federal law. It's a Schedule One controlled substance. It's actually the most, you know, the most regulated, the most illegal drug uh, in, in category of drugs that we have under federal law. But there is a lot of debate, and I'm not going to get into it today, about whether or not a state law enforcement officer, a local law enforcement officer, can act. And enforcement of federal law absent some kind of command from your local legislature is telling you that you should do it or telling you that you um, have the authority to do it. So in other words, you know, there's instances where, like, for example, um, jail, jailers in Virginia are directed to enforce or cooperate with the enforcement of federal immigration laws, right? And that law is changing too, some in July 1. But, you know, we have those statutory commands in place. We don't have a statutory command in place like that for drug laws in Virginia. In other words, we don't say that local law enforcement officers shall enforce federal drug laws. And in fact, we look at marijuana already differently than we do in the federal system. The federal system is Schedule 1, and in Virginia it's not scheduled at all. It's just a, you know, right now, even before July 1, it's just a $500 fine, excuse me, 30 days in jail or up to a $500 fine. So you, it's not clear whether you can act on the fact that it's contraband under federal law or not. And I wouldn't rely on that. Um, the question is really left then is, okay, so under Virginia law, I walk up to this car, I smell the odor of marijuana coming from the car. Is it contraband or is it evidence? 
Well, the answer under Virginia law on July 2nd of 2020 is it's contraband. Um, 18.2251 provides and will continue to provide that it is unlawful for any person to knowingly or intentionally possess marijuana unless the substance was obtained directly from or pursuant to a valid prescription or an order of practitioner while acting in the course of the personal practice or otherwise is authorized by the Drug Control Act. So no one is authorized, right, unless they've got a prescription. And so therefore, in general, marijuana is contraband. It's not a crime. It's not a criminal offense to possess it, but it's still contraband. And this puts us in a very similar position to a lot of other U.S. states. Um, Legal, so 11 states have legalized marijuana, Alaska, California, Colorado, Illinois, Maine, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington, and the District of Columbia have all legalized marijuana. We are now joining the 16 states that have decriminalized marijuana. We did not adopt California's rule. In California, when they legalized marijuana in 2016, they actually adopted a statute, and we could have, but we didn't that says legal marijuana products are not contraband and their possession or use shall not constitute the basis for detention, search, or arrest. We had the opportunity to adopt that rule. We didn't adopt that rule. That's not the rule in Virginia after July 1. And so the majority of jurisdictions, then these states that have gone out and decriminalized marijuana, have found that decriminalization is not synonymous with legalization, and therefore the odor of cannabis remains indicative of criminal activity, despite the passing of statutes that indicate that simple possession is decriminalized. Um, an example of this is Connecticut. So uh, Connecticut, when they dealt with the same question that Virginia is going to have to deal with, uh, ruled in State versus Brito, this is a 2017 case, although the defendant's possession of the marijuana constituted a minor civil violation and not a crime, his possession was nonetheless evidence that he was in possession of contraband at the time of the stop. Maine decriminalized marijuana in the 1970s, uh, 1976, but in the State versus Barkley in 1979, the Maine Supreme Court note, uh, wrote, as noted, marijuana is still contraband and subject to seizure. Um, Maryland, 2017, uh, they had decriminalized marijuana uh, recently, and the Maryland Court of Appeals wrote, marijuana in any amount remains contraband, notwithstanding the decriminalization of possession of less than 10 grams of marijuana. Even Oregon, right? Oregon, you consider to be a pretty liberal jurisdiction. Uh, their court in the Court of Appeals in 2010 uh, explained that notwithstanding a statute that made possession of less than an ounce of marijuana a civil violation, marijuana in any amount still constitutes contraband. Okay, so then what we're going to then ask the question of is, okay, so we know marijuana is contraband. You walk up to a car for, for speeding or whatever. You smell the odor of marijuana. What can you do? And that's what I want to talk about in the second half of today's episode. But before I do, I want to talk to you guys about Copline. Uh, in 2019, at least 228 police officers, law enforcement officers, died by suicide, according to Blue Help, which is an organization that is devoted to addressing officers' mental health and emotional health uh, in the United States. That's more than we're killed in line of duty. I mean, any number is unacceptable, but that number is going way up every single year. It's been going up since uh, the 2000s. Um, we need to acknowledge the stress and the exposure to trauma that what, what it can do to us and what it can do to our colleagues, and we need to recognize it in others. If you feel like there's no way to face another day, that there's, there's no reason to keep going, 
um, that no one cares or the world would be a better place if you just weren't around. I, I, you know, I'm here to tell you that's not true. Uh, there are people out there, the majority of people, I think, respect you. The respect for law enforcement is, is always uh, you know, very high in the United States, um, despite what you might read in blogs and comment, internet comments and so on, and frankly, you shouldn't read those anyway. Um, you know, for every person sitting in their parents' basement, eating you know, Doritos and drinking Slurpees and commenting all night on message boards, there's people who are going to work every day and supporting their families, and they appreciate what you do. But if you feel like there's no one else who can listen, and I encourage you, you know, find there are resources in your community. There's people, fellow officers. Uh, your communities have resources. Reach out to those. But if there's no one else for you, um, if you just need someone to talk to, um, there is Copline. Uh, and and Copline is manned entirely by retired law enforcement officers. An active or retired law enforcement officer or their family can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and be assured there's a trained, active listener on the other end of the line, a retired officer who understands and will listen to you. Copline is strictly confidential. Uh, the number is 1-800-COP-LINE. That's 1-800-267-5463, 1-800-267-5463. Or www.copline.org. Um, it's a great resource. Please reach out to them, and um, uh, if you feel like you have a need to do so, and uh, or if you feel like someone else needs to do so, they're there for you. So uh, let's talk about vehicle searches. Uh, the odor of marijuana. We've decided. We've figured out that marijuana is contraband. We we know it still will be contraband July one. So what does that mean for us? Well. Okay, so let's talk about vehicle searches generally, right? What's the law? I mean, in Virginia, since 1925, under Carroll versus United States, a law enforcement officer can conduct a warrantless search of a vehicle based on probable cause to believe that there is contraband or evidence of a crime present in the vehicle. So notice here, again, you have that Illinois versus Gates, Texas versus Brown uh, distinction. You have evidence and you have contraband. If you have either one, then you can conduct a search. So if I've got probable cause of evidence or contraband, here we know it's contraband, right? Marijuana is contraband. And under current law in Virginia, there's a lot of cases that tell us that the odor of marijuana provides law enforcement officers with that probable cause to search that vehicle. Um, Warner versus Commonwealth, 2019 case, just this last year, um, officer detected the smell of unburnt, unburnt marijuana. This gave him probable cause independent of the traffic stop to detain the appellant and search both the appellant and his van for marijuana. Burton versus Commonwealth, the 2015 case. Court wrote here, the record establishes that Parker, the officer, smelled what she believed to be marijuana coming from the appellant's car. Accordingly, she had sufficient probable cause to search the vehicle. And other states have addressed this question and come up with the same answer. Um, Arizona, they, they have medical marijuana, and yet in the state versus Cheatham in 2016, um, in, the, in their eyes, the odor of marijuana emanating from a vehicle establishes probable cause to believe the vehicle contains contraband or evidence of the crime. We hold the odor of marijuana suffice to establish probable cause, and the ensuing search was therefore authorized by the automobile exception to the warrant requirement, that 1925 Carroll Doctrine, right? People versus Waxler is a 2014 case from California. This was after they decriminalized marijuana, but before they legalized it. So you remember, you know, California now has this statute in 2016 that says that marijuana is not contraband anymore because they legalized it. Before that, when they had decriminalized it, when they had basically created a situation like Virginia, the in People versus Waxler, the court wrote, uh, the odor of marijuana justifies the warrantless search of an automobile despite the decriminalization of marijuana. Other than certain quantities of medical marijuana, 
Uh, possession of any amount of marijuana is illegal in California and therefore it's contraband, and thus a law enforcement officer may conduct a warrantless search of a vehicle pursuant to the automobile exception when the officer has probable cause to believe the vehicle contains marijuana, which is contraband. Connecticut had this question, right? Connecticut had to figure out this question that we're asking now in 2017 in State versus Brito. And again, uh, we quoted this before. Um, the facts in the totality gave rise to probable cause there was contraband, which the officers were authorized to seize and destroy inside of the vehicle. Illinois in 2019 had this question. They wrote, decriminalization is not synonymous with legalization, and thus the odor of cannabis as indicative of criminal activity remains viable notwithstanding the legislature's decriminalization of the possession of a small amount of marijuana. So once the officer identified the odor of burnt cannabis, probable cause for the search existed, and thus the trial court properly concluded that the search was justified and denied the defendant's motion to suppress. Uh, like I said, in Maine, you know, Maine decriminalized marijuana back in 1976. And nonetheless, just like Virginia, marijuana, despite its statute, was still contraband and therefore was still subject to seizure. And so in that State versus Barkley case that I said earlier, 1979, the court wrote, we therefore hold that the officer having probable cause to believe that the defendant's vehicle contained contraband was justified in carrying out a warrantless search of that vehicle it necessarily follows that the fruits of the search were admissible in any subsequent proceeding. And uh, Nebraska, uh, Nebraska and State versus Seconder, um, in 2018, post-decriminalization, uh, they wrote, assuming the vehicle is readily mobile, the odor of marijuana alone provides probable cause to search the vehicle under the automobile exception to the warrant requirement. While there may be innocent explanation for the odor of marijuana inside a vehicle, the concept of probable cause is based on probabilities and does not require officers to rule out all innocent explanations for suspicious facts. In fact, like I said, Oregon, which is a very, you know, generally speaking, viewed to be a very liberal jurisdiction in state versus Smalley in 2010, uh, they ruled that a law enforcement officer may conduct a warrantless search for contraband or crime evidence where there is probable cause to believe that such items are in a container in a vehicle. Uh, contraband or crime evidence is not identical and therefore probable cause to believe in the presence of either can justify an automobile search. And of course, again, whether or not the marijuana is evidence. We at least know in Virginia that after July 1, 2020, that marijuana is contraband. And that under Carroll versus United States, 1925 U.S. Supreme Court case provides if you have probable cause to believe there's contraband in the car, then you can search the car as long as the car is readily mobile. Um, you know, our sister state, Maryland, had decriminalized marijuana, and they had to address this question in Robinson versus State. And there in 2017, they ruled that a law enforcement officer has probable cause to search a vehicle where the law enforcement officer detects an odor of marijuana emanating from the vehicle, as marijuana in any amount remains contraband, notwithstanding the decriminalization of possession of less than 10 grams of marijuana, the odor of marijuana gives rise to probable cause to believe that the vehicle contains contraband or evidence of a crime. So, you know, we... We, we know in Virginia already right now that the courts have said over and over again that an officer detecting the odor of marijuana coming from a vehicle is going to be, uh, is good, it has probable cause to believe that that, ve that that vehicle has marijuana in it. And I don't see any reason to think that that's going to change 
after July 1, uh, the courts aren't going to simply, you know, suddenly say, well, because simple possession of marijuana is decriminalized, now lo- the odor is no longer uh, probable cause. So I don't really see that changing. And I think you can, you know, pretty confidently say, if you, when you look at all these other courts coming to exactly the same conclusion, you know, it's likely that the courts in Virginia are going to come the same way, come out the same way. Now, again, your local prosecutors might feel differently. Your local judges might feel differently. And it remains to be seen what the Court of Appeals or Supreme Court does in Virginia. But I think that's pretty likely. Um, a couple other things, though, I want to talk about here. One thing is I want to put in this in your head because we're going to talk about this in a future episode. So Robinson versus State is that Maryland case that said the odor of marijuana gives rise to probable cause to believe that a vehicle contains contraband. And so it, that authorizes an officer to conduct a search of a vehicle as long as that search of vehicle is readily mobile. Maryland, however, comes out differently. That same court under the same statutory scheme comes out very differently when it comes to searching a person. And so I want you to keep in the back of your head that searching a car for contraband and searching a person uh, is going to be viewed a little differently by some judges. And so even though today I think we can clear, you know, we can pretty much confidently say, you know, most judges are going to come out this way on searching cars, they might feel differently about you searching a person. And they did in Maryland. So uh, stick around for that episode when we talk about searching people, because I think you're going to find that that question is a little more nuanced and it's much more uh, possible that judges will come out differently. Um, the other question that might come up to you in your mind, though, then is, uh, well, what about canines? What about canines and canine searches, right, of vehicles? We use dogs with cars all the time. Um, you know, probable cause coming from a, a canine is just as reliable, if not more so, <clears throat> in the eyes of the, of the courts. Um, you know, Florida versus Harris, even in 2013, from the U.S. Supreme Court, um, you know, reaffirmed that, again, this, this, uh, that probable cause hearings focusing on dogs alert are just like any other probable cause hearing. Um, you look at the reliability of that dog, and if their dog appears to be reliable, then that provides probable cause. Um, you look at the appropriate training and reliability of the dog, the witness handler's experience in interpreting the dog's behavior, and uh, what the circumstances were, whether or not the circumstances were sufficiently conducive to a dependable scent identification. And, you know, then under those circumstances, the Fourth Amendment permits uh, dogs to provide uh, tips to officers that they can be reliable under the Fourth Amendment uh, and conduct a search. If a reliable narcotics detection dog indicates on a stopped motor vehicle, then the police can have probable cause to search that car under Carroll. Um, a positive alert from a narcotics detection dog establishes probable cause to conduct a search of a vehicle, and that evidence seized after the search is admissible after a proper foundation has been laid to show the dog was sufficiently trained to be reliable in detecting uh, narcotics. Now, again, there's a distinction between searching the car and searching the person. And if you talk to your canine handlers, I think most of them will tell you they don't want their dogs sniffing people. That's not really a proper use of a canine. So we're still talking, we're still focused on cars here, not people. But the question is here, you know, does decriminalization have any effect on uh, that narcotics uh, dog's indication after July 1? Um, you know, Colorado kind of dialed back a little bit on, in their view, uh, whether or not you could even use a dog. I think that's more of a view about dogs and not a view about the detect- whether or not the odor provides probable cause. Um, even in People versus Zuniga, the court wrote, um, a substantial number of other marijuana-related activities remain unlawful under Colorado law. And given that, then the odor of marijuana is still suggestive of criminal activity. Um, Vermont, when they restricted the use of canines, their view was that odor was not enough to indicate probable cause 
um, because in, in marijuana, um, although it's a factor, it's not a determinative factor about whether or not there is probable cause. And that's one extreme position, I think, that people took. But, you know, in, in Maryland, again, uh, you know, bowling versus state's another example. Um, you know, a, in Maryland, although possession of 10 grams of marijuana or less was civil and not a criminal offense, it was still illegal to possess marijuana and therefore is still contraband. And so in Bowling versus State, the Court of Appeals wrote, we hold that this legislation does not change the established precedent that a drug dog's alert to the odor of marijuana without more provides the police with probable cause to authorize a search of a vehicle pursuant to the Carroll Doctrine. Uh, Minnesota came out the same way. A narcotics dog were alerted to um, a vehicle center console in the seat where the defendant had been sitting, and notwithstanding a statute under which possession of a small amount of marijuana was not a crime, the officer in the eyes of the court had probable cause to search a vehicle based on the odor of marijuana. Now, you might also say, ask a question, which is, well, okay, that's great, but we also know from the clip that I just provided earlier today, the VTF, WTF clip, that the General Assembly still has on the table and is still considering uh, whether or not to simply legalize marijuana. And if they legalize marijuana, what does that mean for your canines and, uh, you know, and their training, especially since they're trained to tell you uh, whether or not they detect the odor of marijuana. Well, it becomes legal. That's pretty useless information. And uh, unfortunately, we're out of time, so I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that's a tactical decision you're going to have to make. I mean, it's a, um, you know, you're going to have to read the tea leaves. You're going to have to be able to figure out what the future holds in Virginia for Virginia law. And, you know, your dogs are, you know, if you're the amount of time and effort and money and energy you're pouring into a dog, um, to be able to use them for hopefully, you know, three years or four years or whatever, um, you're kind of betting on what the future is going to hold in Virginia. And nobody knows what that is. And nobody can tell you what's going to happen next. And I certainly can't tell you. I have tried in this episode to give you intelligent predictions based upon the law and based upon, uh, you know, what we know so far. But these are all just attempts at predictions. So if you're trying to figure out what to do for the future for your dogs and for your training, again, you know, talk to your prosecutors. Uh, talk to the, your fellow officers, watch what your judges are doing, and, uh, and, and work together. You know, the only thing you can do is, uh, you know, make intelligent decisions based on the information that you have. So collect as much information as you have and, uh, and you know, hope you make the right decision. Um, but that's all I got for you guys today. I hope today was useful. Um, I hope that it was interesting information. And if you like the podcast, tell your friends. If you don't like the podcast, don't tell your friends. But that's all from me. That's all from Big E. Stay safe and don't get captured.